Good morning, Lighthouse. It, uh, well, happy Father's Day. You know, it uh, um, somehow, uh, for the last uh, however many years, it, uh, I've gotten the Father's Day message. So here we go, the annual, but I promise you it's going to be short today. It, uh, I know you guys won't take your dad out to lunch, everything like that. So um, if you would, turn into your, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 13 through 17, but most of the sermon is going to concentrate on verse 17. So, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. It says in verse, uh, verse 13, it says, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now let me, let me start this morning by giving you the context of this whole passage. See, it's the start of Jesus' public ministry. And Jesus walked approximately 60 miles from Galilee to the lower Jordan River to be baptized by John. Now, this kind of indicates the importance with which Jesus attached to this ceremony, and it should indicate the significance of baptism for each of his followers. Now, as soon as the baptism of Christ is finished, the Father speaks from heaven. God chose that exact moment to verbally associate himself with his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the words which the Father spoke that day, we're given an example of how a godly father deals with his children. And in this passage, we can see, it, uh, we can see an example that every dad needs to follow. And you've got to ask yourself, well, why is this so important? You know, over the years, I've come to understand that the way our children see us is often the way they're going to see God. You know, I read a, I read a story recently um, that tells about a theology class at a certain seminary uh, several years ago. And uh, this story said that on the first day of the semester, the professor handed out a personal questionnaire. And many of the questions on the survey had to do with the student's perception of his father and the relationship he had with him. And then after they were done, the surveys were collected and nothing else was said about it. The students forgot all about them. And they, they got, uh, got on with these rigorous months of studying about the, the first person of the Trinity, his attributes, his work, and his words. But see, at the end of the course the professor handed out a second survey. And this time the students were supposed to honestly record their perceptions of God and record their feelings 
about their relationship with him. Now, the questions, in fact, were the same on the second survey as they were on the first survey they took, but they had been redirected toward the Heavenly Father. And when the professor returned both sets of the surveys, including the previously forgotten one, the students were astounded that even after a whole semester of studying about God, they still had trouble differentiating him relationally from their earthly fathers. Now, why do I relate this story? Because from the very outset this morning, I want you to listen to this sermon with this overriding thought. God is not merely like a father. He is a father. Now, don't don't misunderstand me here. Just because you aren't a father here does not mean that the Lord doesn't have a word for you today as well. I believe there's going to be truths which we can all glean from this message. And you know what? You, you may never have thought about, the, uh, about this this way before. But today I want us to look together at the Heavenly Father, every dad's example. And, and the first thing that I really want you to see here is that the father isn't ashamed of his son. Look at uh, verse 17. It says, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is what? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Notice here that the father says, my son. And this statement tells us that that God isn't ashamed of of the Lord Jesus. In fact, he's not ashamed of any of his children. Hebrews 11.16 tells us, it says, But now they desire a better country that is an heavenly Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. What an example to us human parents. See, our children need to know that we're proud of them. They they need to know that we're not ashamed to claim them as our own. You know, it, it's sad that many children may never, ever know those, those two basic affirmations. You know, I, I remember several years ago, um, it's been more than 10, but several years ago in Louisiana, there was a motorist that saw something hanging from a tree. And I remember hearing this on the news, and, and when this motorist stopped to investigate, he found that it was the body of a young teenage boy. And there wasn't any identification on the body. And there wasn't, there wasn't anything but a note that said in part, Dear Mom and Dad, I'm sorry I was an embarrassment to you. See, and I, and, and I wasn't always good at this. But children need constant affirmation from their parents. They need to know that... that they're some of the most important things in our lives. They need to know we're proud of them. We're not ashamed of them. And you know, the, the truth is, when they don't get it, they usually live up to your estimate of their worth. Therefore, guys, be real careful 
about how you treat your children. Be quick to let them know that you're proud of them, just like the Heavenly Father did. Second thing I want you to see is that the Father absolutely adores the Son. Look at verse 17 again. He says, it says, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Notice here that the, the Father calls the Son beloved. What this means is one who is dearly loved. You know, children can live without a whole lot of things, but love isn't one of them. Perhaps the greatest gift a parent can give a child besides the knowledge of the Lord is the knowledge that they are loved unconditionally. Now, you know, it's easy for, to say, it's easy for us to say that, that we love that way. But I'm afraid it's a, a lot, it's much harder to demonstrate it. See, one of the best ways for you to demonstrate godliness to your children is for you to love them unconditionally. That is, that is we need to love them like God the Father loves us. Look at uh, Jeremiah 31.3. It says, The Lord hath appeared un, of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Romans chapter 8, Paul says, you know what? I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, nothing... And, abs and I mean absolutely nothing should ever be allowed to cause a rift in our relationship with our children. You know, and, and we all know of parents and children who are on the outs. And that ain't, it's just never right. And it's a mockery, frankly, of what God intends the family and the home to be. Now, as a parent myself, I can, I can tell you, we aren't always proud of what our children are doing. And we may not like the decisions that they have made or are in the process of making. But these fellers never, ever should ever doubt that we love them with all our heart. And you know, by the way, genuine love is not afraid to express itself. Tell them you love them, and tell them you love them often. You know, they need to hear those three magic words, I love you. You know, as I was writing this, I, I thought back, and I can tell you from experience, I don't remember ever hearing that from my dad. And you know, it's important. You need, to, you need to give those kids those three magic words all the time. Now, how often does God remind us of his love towards us? Man, all the time. Let's resolve this morning to do the same towards our children. Not just them, and not just them, but in all of our relationships. See, we should never be too stuffy and unemotional or too busy to respond to our children in a genuine display of love. You know, there was, a, there was an article that I read um, not too long ago 
um, that was concerning this, in which, which author Janice Sue Zeller wrote. She goes, you know, I remember when I was five or six years old, and, and uh, I, had this, I had this big writing tablet on which I could do block printing. Y'all remember the big chiefs where you, uh, you printed your letters out? Well, it's, she said, one day I took a sheet of tablet paper and I folded it in half and I wrote I love you on the inside. And I put my dad's name on the outside and I covered that sheet with hearts and I set it on his dresser. And she says, she says I'd made a valentine for, uh, for him and it wasn't even Valentine's Day. Eagerly, I anticipated what I thought would be an enthusiastic response. It never came. It says, the next afternoon, I discovered the valentine in the wastebasket. This has to be a mistake, I thought. He must not have seen it. So I lifted the valentine from the trash, and I carefully stood it up in the center of his dresser again. And it says, my heart was pounding the next day when I checked the wastebasket, but there it was again. Only this time it was crumpled with some other papers. She goes, uh, she goes on, she says, He must not have liked it, I thought, or maybe he didn't see it. So I smoothed out the creases as best I could, and I placed the valentine on his dresser one more time, and I made sure it was very conspicuous so that this time he would see it. So the next day, Dad called me to him, and I remember feeling very, very shy. And he said, will you quit putting that note on my dresser? I already know that you love me. She went on, she says, when I became a Christian, I thought about finding that valentine in the trash and about how hurt and angry I'd felt. And she never could reconcile why her dad had never reached out in love to her. She goes, then I thought about Jesus and Jesus had put a valentine on my dresser. And it had my name on the outside. And on the inside, it said, I love you. He's done that for every one of us. Only the lettering wasn't with a pencil. It was written in blood. See, it cost Jesus his life to send me his valentine. And I'm glad I didn't crumple it up and throw it away. Third thing I want you to see this morning is that the Father accepts the Son. Verse 17 says, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Notice that the Father says that He is well pleased with His Son. You know what, these sons, uh, these words, they mean approve of. And as God the Father looked at the man Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ had become, He says, you know what, I approve of you, my darling boy. Now, you know, we all know that our children might not turn out exactly like we expect them to. After all, who, uh, who doesn't live in a fantasy world when it, when it comes to our own children? We've all, we've all got expectations and, and this and that for them. But you know, our, our kids in the real world are going to make mistakes. 
And they may get into trouble. And they may not be as successful as you think they could be. And they may not dress right or, or, or look like you think they should look. Or any of 10 million other things that could go wrong with our, with our ideals for their life. However, if these kids are seeking to please the Lord, as Jesus was, then you know what? We just need to accept them as they are. And, and even if we, do, we can't, we need to love them unconditionally. And we should never, ever hold up our children's past before their eyes. We shouldn't have unrealistic expectations for them. You know, we're, we're just to love them and accept them as they are. See, in contrast to God, we're often half-hearted in our acceptance of people, of people in general by either directly or indirectly reminding them of their past. And a lot of times it makes our kids, it makes our family, it makes our friends, whoever we do that to, it makes them feel like they just don't quite belong. You know, I read a, I read a story about a minister that was visiting this rich man who had adopted a 12-year-old boy that he'd taken in from the streets. Pretty good thing to do, I thought. But while the two men were talking, the boy, who was now 15, came into the room. And after a casual greeting, the father went to the closet, pulled out a pair of tattered old shoes, and said, you know what, Fred was wearing these when I found him. The minister saw that the teenager was just absolutely embarrassed and he was deeply hurt. But the father went on, and the father says, you know what, I think it's good for him to be reminded every once in a while of his, uh, what his condition was when I took him in. Silently the pastor prayed, and I remember thinking to myself, thank you, Lord, for accepting me fully. And thank you for not ever dragging out my old shoes. See, there's a word here for our children. And the children need to understand, if you're going to live like the devil, don't expect your parents to place their seal of approval on your life. It's unfair for you to expect it, and a godly parent can't give it. There's going to be love, but sometimes love's got to be tough. And you know, it, it doesn't mean that we as parents love you any less. It just means we don't approve of what you're doing. And there's a difference. Parents, you don't do your children any favors when you offer a blanket approval to their sinful ways. Perhaps your dis disapproval sometimes, perhaps maybe it's just the wake-up call they need. On the other hand, sometimes all we can do is love them with all our hearts, lift them up in prayer constantly, and be there to pick up the pieces when the opportunity presents itself. You know, as I was thinking about that, I, uh, I, I want you to look at Luke chapter 15, verse 20. It says, and he arose, and this is the story of the prodigal. This old boy had gone 
about as far away from what the father expected as, uh, as you could imagine. But it says, and when he arose and came to his father, or it says, and he arose and came to his father, but when he was, a yet, uh, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. You know, guys, we may not like what our kids are doing, that they're making. But just like this father, how did this father know that the prodigal was even coming? How did he see him from a, far, a, a long ways off? That father was on that hillside every afternoon looking for his return. With our own kids, we can do the same thing. We don't give up on them. We can, we can love them we can, uh, unconditionally. We can hope that they'll, they'll come back. And when they do, we accept them unconditionally, and we never drag out their old shoes. Last thing I want you to see this morning is that the father apprentices the son. Look at John chapter 5, uh, ch- chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. It says, But Jesus answered him, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. Now, Jesus is telling that those that are listening that since the Father loves him, the Father includes the Son in his work and allows him to be part of his life. Jesus is merely saying that the, the Father's working and he loves the Son and he shows him what he is doing. That's how our kids learn. And when he shows the son his work, that is the father's invitation for the son to join him in his activity. That still works today, guys. You know, Rusty Stevens of the Navigators tells a story about the day he was frantically pushing a lawnmower around the yard, and he was trying to get finished before supper. Any of y'all ever been there? You take and you get home from work, and you're trying to uh, get that yard mowed before dark or before supper. I mean, boy, you're running behind that thing. But this day, his six-year-old son came up, and without even asking, he, uh, his, the boy grabs the mower handle. He wanted to help. So Stevens quits pushing, and the mower soon came to a stop laughing to himself at the boy's futile attempt to push it by himself, Stevens wanted to say, hey kid, just get out of my way. But instead he says, here son, I help you. And together they started pushing, and the dad had to bend over and, and walk spread uh, legged to keep from bumping into the sun. The grass got cut, but it got cut a whole lot less efficiently than before because the boy was helping. 
Now suddenly it dawned on Stephen's, and as I read it, it dawned on me. This is the way my heavenly Father allows me to help him build his kingdom. He thought, uh, and Stephen's thought, he goes, he goes, you know what? I pictured my heavenly Father at work seeking and saving and transforming the lost, and there I was with my weak hands helping. God could do the work himself a lot more efficiently, but he condescends to allowing us to work with him. And I can tell you, over the years, what a privilege it is to minister with him. See, the godly father, he takes time to include his children in his life. The godly father models the appropriate behavior before his kids. And more often than not, they're going to follow his example. Our time with our children is essential. Don't be the parent that looks up after 18 years of hard work, sweating to provide and realize that you missed your, uh, your children's childhood. Make the time. You know, it, uh, there was a young man that was sentenced to, to the penitentiary for committing forgery. And the judge had known him from childhood. For, and he was well acquainted with his father, who was a famous legal scholar and author of an exhaustive study entitled The Law of Trusts. And the judge asked the boy, he says, do you remember your father? And uh, um, I remember, the boy says, I remember him well, your honor. Then trying to probe the offender's conscience, the judge says, as you're about to be sentenced, um, and as you think of your wonderful dad, what do you remember most clearly about him? And there was a pause, and then the judge received an answer that he just hadn't expected. He says, I remember, sir, that when I went to him for advice, he looked up at me, from the book he was writing, he said, run along, boy, I'm busy. When I went to him for companionship, he turned me away saying, run along, son, the book's got to be finished. Your Honor, you remember him as a great lawyer. He goes, I remember him as a lost friend. And the magistrate muttered to himself, alas, man finished the book, but he lost the boy. Time spent with our children is never wasted. You know, Charles Adams, the son of President John Adams, wrote in his diary one day, he says, went fishing with my son today. Day wasted. The boy, however, had a different perspective on the day. The entry in his di uh, diary for that date reads, went fishing with my father, most wonderful day of my life. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. You know, it's been said that it's not hard to make a child or a tree grow right if you train them when they're young. But to make them straighten out after you've allowed things to go wrong ain't an easy matter. I read that Susanna Wesley, which is the mother of Charles Wesley and John Wesley and 15 other children, I think she's kind of an expert on parenting, but um, 
She followed these rules in training them. And I'm not saying these are right. I just read it. I thought it was interesting. He says, she said, subdue self-will in a child and thus work together with God to save his soul. Secondly, she says, teach him to pray as soon as he can speak. Three, give him nothing he cries for and only what is good for him if he asks politely. She said, prevent lying, punish no fault when it's freely confessed. But never allow a rebellious, sinful act to go unnoticed. Commend and reward good behavior and strictly observe all promises you've made to your child. As I read that, I thought about it. And you know, my my great-grandmother, before she died, she was right about 100. She told me that raising kids was easy. And she had about seven or eight of them, so uh, she was kind of an expert on it too. And what she told me, I never forgot. And as my kids um, grew up, um, I, I took and I just grinned. But she said, raising kids is just teaching little fellers to be biggins. You can't teach them, train them, and expect them to do what's right if you ain't with them. You can't teach them and train them and expect them to do what's right if you aren't dedicated, a dedicated and consistent part of their lives. You know, as we thought about it, I said, you know, it's, what it's, it's as simple as this. If you want your child to blank, then you need to blank. Needless to say, though, the greatest truth or, or lifestyle we can show them is to point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And i got to ask, dads, have you made sure that your children are saved? Are your kids sure about you? Let me close with these thoughts. You know, I, I don't think in, uh, for a minute that any of us earthly dads will ever or could possibly ever reach the level of love that the Heavenly Father exhibits for His Son. However, I think we could all do a better job of modeling the Father than we do. For instance, did you know that a recent survey of five-year-olds found that they would rather give up their father than TV? (laughs) Did, Did you know that more collect calls are made on Father's Day than any other day of year? You know, there was this nun who worked in a men's prison. It's a true story here. This nun worked in a men's prison and was asked uh, by one of the inmates that she'd buy him a Mother's Day card to send to his mom. She agreed and word traveled fast, and soon hundreds of inmates were asking for cards. So, resourcefully, the nun contacted a greeting card manufacturer who obliged with just crates of these Mother's Day cards all of which she passed out to the prisoners. Well, soon after, she realized that Father's Day was approaching. And thinking ahead, she called the card manufacturer who responded quickly with another crate with Father's Day cards. Years later, the nun said she still had every one of those cards. Not one prisoner requested a card for his father. Clearly, Men in prison lack fathers. So as we go into this time of invitation, perhaps you've listened to this message and and you've realized that there's room for improvement in your life as a parent. 
whether, you, whether you're a mom or whether you're a dad. Maybe you have lost children. Maybe you haven't lived for the Lord as you should have before those kids. And maybe you just want to pray for them today. Maybe you've never been saved. See, I, I want you to know that you can never ever be the kind of parent that you should until you come, first come to know the Lord. And I've said this a couple times, if you could talk to my children, they'd tell you what a difference Jesus made in me as a man, as a husband, and especially as a father. I wasn't a nice feller in public and I wasn't a good father. But if you've never had a time when you understood the gospel and trusted Jesus to save you, I want, you, I want to invite you this morning to let us help you with that too. Whatever you need, I want you to know that the Heavenly Father is there to help you and make whatever is wrong right again. Happy Father's Day. Amen. You keep that up, you'll get to preach next Father's Day too. <laughs> I really don't have anything to add to this. God gave me four sons, and then another son and a daughter after that. There are a lot of things I could have done better. But my Heavenly Father commended His love toward me while I was yet a sinner. That's what God said He did. God commends His love for us while that we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. He's the example. He really is the example to follow. And you won't do a perfect job of it. But you won't, do any, you won't do any of it if you don't work at it. And you don't commit yourself to it. And I've learned that children do see God the way they see their father. That's why our world's in such a mess now. Most of the men in prison didn't have their dad present when they grew up. It's just so much, so much depends on being there. And you say, well, I, I, I'm just, I can't be a good father. I can't be a perfect father. No, you can't. But you can be there. You can be in their lives. You know, I've... Uh, I've told you this before, but I've been on a deathbed with cancer and I've had to face death. And I know what you think about. I know what God put on my heart in that night, in that horrible dark time. And the big, big, big regret. I didn't even think about whether I was going to heaven. That had been settled for years. The big regret of my life was the time I did not spend with my boys. And when God gave me my life back, and he did, I set about changing that. Ten days, ten days from the surgery where they took my right kidney, that bald-headed fellow over there with his wife leaning on it. 
He and I crawled through a barbed wire fence and drug an antelope home and butchered it together. Time. That's how your kids spell love. They spell it T-I-M-E. Time. A piece of your life is what, that's what time is. It's part of your life. Time. You got to make time for your kids. It's the only thing that, it's the only thing they're going to remember is the time. I want to shut up and let God speak to your heart about this. And when God speaks to your heart, he's your father. And it's just downright respectful, disrespectful not to answer your father when he speaks to you. It's Father's Day. Amen? So maybe you ought to have a talk with your father.